Good morning, everyone. I want to tell you that everything is working against me this morning to bring the message. First of all, I woke up with a little headache, not too much. And then the second thing is that Rob is here today. (laughs) I do not like that. Speaking No, I do not, but I have no choice. It was already decided that he was going to be away, and then I will replace him, but um, something happened. He's here, and I'm, I'm still on the hook. So <laughs> we, we're going to do it, but I'm asking you to pray for me, for the headache and also for his presence in the building. <laughs> Today, we continue on our message series, Experiencing God. We've learned so far that experiencing God is not limited to supernatural event like the experience Moses had with the burning bush. It is not limited to um, the crossing of the Red Sea. So we've learned in the past few Sundays that experiencing God can also be the transformation that is being made or being done in our lives or in the lives of people we know. I think each and every one of you, including myself, we can look at some people we know, whether they are friends or families. We knew who these people were and who they are now. So it is God walking through the lives of these people. So those are also God experience or experiencing God. So two Sundays ago, Rob talked about three principles. So I am going to touch base with them so that I can capture your attention for today's message. The three principles he talked about were that God is always at work. The second principle is that he's pursuing us to enter into an intimate relationship with him. What what does that mean? Is that God is a person and he wants us, he expects us to enter into a personal relationship with him, just like when we are in relationship with people, whether it is a spouse or friends or family. The third principle he talked about is that God invites us to participate in what he's doing around us or around the world. The past Sunday, he talked about when God extends his invitation to us to join with him that create a crisis of belief, meaning we have two choices. First one, it's either we choose to stay where we were, where we are, or we choose to believe him, even though sometimes what he's inviting us into is ambiguous. So when we choose, if we choose to accept his invitation, Now 
it requires us to make some adjustment into our lives in order to join with him. And that's what today's message is all about. So before I get into it, I'll ask you to bow your head. We're going to pray together so that the Holy Spirit can guide and help us understand today and what we can learn and take away into this message. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you um, for the privilege of being created in your image. It's not enough that we are created in your image. You invite us to partner with you in what you are doing, to partner with you in your work. We are so thankful for that, Lord. This morning we come longing for opportunities, longing to understand what it means, Lord, to join with you in your work and the adjustment that we need to make. Please send your Holy Spirit to help us to open our minds and hearts so that we can understand your message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Jesus began his earthly ministry very early in his ministry. He started preaching, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. What what does that supposed to mean, the good news of the kingdom? So I am going to read a passage of scripture with you so that we can try to decipher together what it means by the good news of the kingdom. We will read in Mark, uh, beginning the first chapter. It's just a very short um, passage we're going to do together this morning. Chapter 1 of Mark, beginning verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So, we will continue our reading, but I want to capture your attention to what is happening here um, in this passage. So Jesus learned that John the Baptist was put in prison. And many of you may know, those of us who are familiar with the biblical story, knows that um, we know that John the Baptist was the forerunner for Jesus. He was the one coming, beginning to tell people there is that somebody, that someone who will be coming. He is the one that the prophets and all the, 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 the biblical story went to. So Jesus, when he learned that John the Baptist was put in jail and he began his ministry, so in verse 14, as we, we can see, um, Jesus said, 
the time has come. So what he meant by that the time has come is that before he even came on the earth, the prophets, um, everyone who, who wrote a piece in the Bible talked about this person, as I mentioned earlier, who was supposed to come. And there was a time that will arrive when God will fulfill the, the promise he, he has made. And when Jesus said the time has come, what he's saying is that there is a critical moment at hand. That critical moment is that the kingdom of God is here. If Rob was the one preaching, um, he will refer to uh, um, God's kingdom is here. He will say the, the now and the not yet. That's what the theologian will say. What's happened is that with Jesus' presence, we can begin to experience the kingdom. But the kingdom is yet to come because at some point we, we will join with him in the new Jerusalem. But we can begin to experience it right now. So it said there is a critical time at hand right now where God, the promise he had made, the promise of redemption that he had made is here. It is beginning right now. So, the kingdom of God is here. When we talk about kingdom, there got to be a king, as we saw on TV over the weekend. Um, prince, oh no, it's no longer prince, King Charles. Um, there got to be a kingdom to, to have a king. So, Jesus, the kingdom is here. So in the Old Testament, we remember that there was always a king or a judge um, to represent the people. There was a government, some sort of government. But the kingdom of God that Jesus refers to in this passage is that God is doing that something new. Instead of giving you prophets or king or judges to rule over your lives, God say, I want to be that to you. I want to be the king of your life. I want to rule over every aspect of your life. I want to be the ruler of your hearts, your minds. So that's what the kingdom of God is here. That's what it means. So Jesus continued to say, the time has come, the kingdom is at hand. So he says, we need to respond to that message. How do we respond? He said, we need to repent and believe. So, I think most of us are familiar with the, with the word, the concept of repentance. So what it means is that we need to turn away from the things we used to, to do. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. So the, the old has passed and now the new has come. So that's what repentance really mean we need to change our mind 
about sin. So the things we used to do when we did not know Christ, we can no longer do. And we also need to believe in the good news that Jesus began to preach about the kingdom of God. So, we continue in verse 16. As I told you about the beginning of his ministry, he was preaching, reaching out to people. In verse 16, we read this. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left the nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, excuse me, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing the nets. Without delay, he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. So, let's go back to the idea that God is always at work. He invites us into relationship with him and also invite us to join with him in what he's doing. Here, Jesus began his ministry telling about the good news of the kingdom, that God is about to do something new. His kingdom, the time has come, his kingdom is here. So he's about to do this new thing. The new thing is that he wants people to turn to him. He wants people to accept him as the king, as the ruler of their lives. So, in order for this job to be done, Jesus needed people on his team. He needed others to join with him in order for this job to be accomplished. So, in verse 16 through 20, we see that Jesus begin to call people to follow him, to join with him. So he called Simon Peter and his brother to join with him in what he was planning to do, what he started to do. What happened? They respond to the invitation. They left everything behind. They left their livelihood their profession, they even left their family behind to follow Jesus. They seized the the opportunity to to become fisher of people instead of fishing for fish. 
So in accepting Jesus' invitation, we see that the brothers surrender everything they had and everything they were to join with Jesus. They quit everything, job, family. Moses, as we saw with Rob, had to leave his family behind, although he took with him his children and his wife. He had to go back to Egypt, even though he could get arrested there. But he chose to accept the invitation to be obedient to God. Abraham received the invitation to leave his country, to go to an unknown country. But he said yes. He left his country in direction to a place he did not know, but he trusted God. So we see with these brothers, it's the same situation. They left everything behind to accept Jesus' invitation. One thing I would like to point out is that when we look at the, 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 the reaction of the brothers, the two set of brothers, um, they, they left everything instantly, immediately, the Bible says, to, to follow Jesus. So the tendency would be maybe if we are working somewhere right now, maybe we are to quit our job to follow Jesus. Or maybe we need to leave Ottawa um, to follow him or to accept his invitation. But I want to tell you, as we can see, the invitation is the same, but it doesn't look the same for everyone. So maybe some people, like Moses, he would leave to go to Egypt. Abraham will leave his country to go. Some other people receive different calling. But the one thing that is important is that each and every one of us required to make adjustments. It doesn't have to be the same adjustment. My adjustment is not yours, but we are all and each of us required to make adjustment if we are really willing to accept um, God's invitation to join with him. Maybe you do not receive a call or an invitation to to make a drastic change. Maybe your call or the invitation, the individual, the personal invitation or adjustment that you are to make is, doesn't require a drastic move. But the question I want to ask you, and I'm asking myself that question as well, is what area in your life, if I were to ask you as we speak, what area of your life requires some adjustment so that you can accept God's invitation to join with him in what he is doing? If I were to ask you that question, because the past few Sundays, 
um, you you had the opportunity to ask the pastor question. Should I ask you some question today? <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. I know some people would leave and say, oh, it's time. I need to go use the bathroom. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that to you. But I'm very serious about this question. If I were to ask you to examine your life and ask what area that you need to make a little change, what area of your life that requires some adjustment so that you can accept that invitation to join with, with God? I'm going to give you an example of someone, a very devoted Christian. He, just like I'm challenging you this morning, was challenged by his pastor to open his eyes and see what God is doing out there so that he can join. So he accepted the invitation. He wants to join with God. He wants to, to be Jesus' hand in his community and everything. But you know something? That guy was looking everywhere to see where God was at work. He couldn't, he couldn't see. He was frustrated. One day he, he met with his pastor. He said, Pastor, you encourage us to, to open our eyes and see what God is doing out there to join in. I, I want my heart is, is there, but I, I, I look, but I, I don't see anything. And the pastor, which was not helpful, the pastor said, you do not look hard enough. <laughs> and the guys, one day went to work. You know, some of us, when we go to work at the cafeteria, there is that spot we always sit. And at church also, it's happened. And at my table, dinner table at home, I have my spot. That guy had his part in the cafeteria at work. He usually sits. And one day he went to work. And then as he sit to have his lunch, he saw another guy, a course of him, sitting alone. Something crossed his mind and said, why don't you go and sit with that other guy and have lunch together? He did exactly that. He went and sat down with that guy, and they, they, they started talking, chatting. And at some point, the other guy felt at ease enough, or maybe he was so burdened with the situation at home, and he started to tell this guy, this is what's happening at home. I am in conflict with my wife. Things are beyond reparation. I might return home today, and my wife is... She moves out, and he started weeping. And the guy started to talk to him and say, if it's beyond reparation, maybe there is nothing I can do for you. But he told him, he's a servant, he's a believer, if he were to put his trust in God, that could do, God could do something about the situation. So, that little move, that little adjustment he made just to choose to go to sit with the other guy changed everything. It leads to that conversation, to the guy explaining what was going on in his life, and also an invite, 
an invitation to come to church with him. Guess what? That guy accepted Jesus. So sometimes when, when we talk about making adjustment or making changes in our lives, maybe we think about moving away or go to China or go to Afghanistan and, and to preach and, and so on and so forth. But sometimes it just requires this one tiny move. One tiny move. Maybe the boldness while you sit with the neighbor having a chat and to just slide a little something and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. We just cannot continue to uh, satisfy with, 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 with coming and, and we worship together and we listen to the message and we, we return home and then we cannot wait to come back on Sunday and then we do the same 52 Sunday and then we begin again next year and it just does not work like that. Jesus extends an invitation to join with him in what he is doing and we need to accept the invitation. Not we need, we are required to accept the invitation. So you can see the example of this guy, just that little move, just that little adjustment made a difference. So what I want to tell you is that if you want to join with God in what he's doing, you need to make a move. You cannot remain where you are at and go with God at the same time. Moses couldn't remain where he was and at the same time go into Egypt with God to move the people out. These two don't go together. You have to make a move. Abraham to become the father of the, the Israelites. He had to leave his country. He had to. So if we are saying that we accept Jesus' invitation to join with him like this brother, the, 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 the two sets of brothers they did in this passage. They had to move. They had to take the call. They had to take the invitation to leave everything behind and take on the invitation. I have a couple of suggestions for you um, in terms of adjustment or, or, or changes you, what area that you, you, can, you can make changes. For, for instance, in your thinking, um, our thoughts, our, our minds is, is control, control every area of our life. Our thoughts control the whole body. So if you are not thinking right, so you can imagine what happened because our thought, our thinking dictate our action. So this is an area we can make a little move. We can make a little bit of adjustment. In our relationships, for instance, um, do you have people in your life who encourage you to, to serve God? or to make progress in your life, to grow in your relationship with God? 
do you have this kind of people or do you have people in your life only who's dragging you down or persuading you to make the wrong decisions in your life? So you need people. I'm not telling you to cut off anyone who you have in your life who are not a Christian or whatever. But what I'm saying is that you need relationships in your life that will encourage you in your work with, with your God. People who will encourage you to make the right decisions. People who can influence um, your decision-making. The next one is your commitment. Um, sometimes our commitment, it's not that they are not good, but they can become a barrier preventing us from making adjustment that Jesus requires. Um, some people will say, you know, I just get married. You know, I'm committing to this relationship. You know, my children, I have hockey practice and soccer and, and cheerleading and, and all these things. So there's, although they want to accept the invitation to join in, but too busy. Too busy. So I think your commitment need a switch, need a little bit of adjustment so that you can wholeheartedly accept the invitation. The next one is, is your action. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe the word speaks for itself. Um, do you participate in anything? to advance the kingdom? Do you contribute in any shape or form to advance the kingdom, to, to reach the unchurch? Maybe it's a question we need to ask each other or ourselves. Very, very important. And the other one is, is belief, our our belief, we maybe need to tweak it or tweak them um, a little bit um, because our belief needs, they need to be on, in line with God's will, with God's plan, God's purpose. They need to be on line, otherwise they're they no good. Um, some of you believe that you know, if you, if you are in Christ and all your surrounding, your family is, that's enough. There's nothing else you need to do. But remember, Jesus came to reach the unchurched. He's no longer with us, although he continued to work within us, but he's not here. He counts on us to continue that work he began. So it's not enough for us to come to God, but we need to make an effort to bring others. So I am reaching the end of my message. I am going back to the question I asked earlier, to you and to myself. What area of your life that need a little bit of adjustment. 
so that you can feel ready to accept Jesus' invitation to join with what he is doing. Maybe you are like this other guy who was looking around to see what God is doing, but he could not see anything. Maybe your next step is to pray for God to show you what he's doing around you. Maybe at your workplace, at your school, at, in your neighborhood, to see what he's doing so that you can just step in and, 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 and do, do something alongside of him. So I will encourage you to, um, to remember that God is always at work, even though you cannot feel it sometimes, but he continuously is at work. He reaching out, he wants a personal relationship with us, he invites us to join in what he's doing. But to do that, it requires obedience to accept the invitation. And after accepting the invitation, we need to make the changes necessary so that he can use us to reach those who are suffering without Christ. All around us, sometimes even in our family, our group of friends, co-workers, and everything.